electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. September ends the last day of a rough month for the markets. Investment banker Roger Altman on the global fears spooking the street. So look at our side of the Atlantic. Right now, we are not in recession. And the murky outlook for our economy. Red hot prices, Federal Reserve intervention. The $64,000 question is soft landing versus hard landing. Every day that goes by, the hard landing chances go up. The group chat we can't get enough of. Behind the scenes of the stalled Twitter takeover. Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey's text thread. There's so many just sort of delicious lines in this whole thing. And hitting the big time, Andrew Ross Sorkin on the award circuit. We're pretty excited about it. Tony, Grammy, Emmy. It's too big to fail the musical. Can you imagine Hank Paulson? It's September 30th. Bring on Q4. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, Q3. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. This is the last trading day of the month and the quarter, another down day yesterday. The S&P was down by 2.1%. It fell to its lowest level since November of 2020. You had even bigger losses when you were watching the NASDAQ. It was down by about 2.8%, and the Dow was down as well. It was down by about 1.5%, giving back all of the gains that these markets uh, picked up the day before where we were hoping for a little bit of relief, a little bit of respite after six down days in a row. So we are on track for not only a lousy uh, month, a lousy quarter for what we've been seeing with some of these things. Of course, today also wraps up the third quarter. And here's the scorecard for that period. The Dow is down more than 5%. It's on pace for its third negative quarter in a row, and that's the first time that's happened since 2015. The S&P is off nearly 4% for the third quarter, on pace for its third negative quarter in a row for the first time since a six-quarter streak that ended in the first quarter of 2009. And the same story for the Nasdaq. It's down almost 3%. Yesterday's sell-off was broad, but Apple was among the biggest losers. The stock closing down 4.9% following Bank of America's downgrade and reports of declined demand for the new iPhone. Apple shares are now worth 20% less than they were at the end of the year. Other mega cap tech stocks coming under pressure. Google Parent, Alphabet, and Microsoft both hitting 52-week lows yesterday. I think it came a little bit because of this. Facebook Parent uh, Meta platforms dropped 3.7%, but that's partially because they say they're going to really do a big restructuring there. Amazon tumbling 2.7%, and then Tesla closing off 6.8%. 6.8%. An actual restructuring or, or just a virtual meta restructuring? Yeah. Actual just, restructuring. They're just firing, somebody who's going to firing avatars, no. so, not, so real people. Real people. Meta's down how much from, the, from its highs? Um, more than I think it's like 40. 60%. Yeah. I think it's like 60%. 57%? Did we get a little too excited about the, about about the, the metaverse? From Still meta. 10 years away. It's still 10 years away, but this next story. Today's problem. Today's this is the problem. problem. What, uh, kind of, what kind of shoes are you wearing? 86 bid. Um, no comment. Uh, 80, these are Gucci's, but uh, I haven't worn Nike in a 
in a while. Among uh, today's other stocks to watch, Nike, the shares dropping after the company reported a 44% increase in inventories. 44% sounds great until you say of inventories, Chris, right? Right. Uh, in its latest quarter, Nike also saying it would offer more discounts uh, heading into the holiday season. And the company did uh, report better than expected profit and revenue for its uh, latest quarter. This probably next one indicative too, but we'll talk, we'll come back and talk about both of these because the market didn't, it, it seems, is it good that it just bends and doesn't break when it's down? It was, do you yeah. see yesterday I there mean, was a chance it was really going to go down again hard. Right. I mean, and, at, and at it least we're not. to come back. The UK and the markets that, that they've watched with some of these things. But, but, but you're right, maybe it's not flushing it, it out. It had given back yet. everything from the day before. The day before right. was 500 and 10. Yesterday it was down over 600. For a lot. And then I think it ended down 458. It yep, yeah. Scratched its way back. But to that where, was just the Dow. The S&P actually did close down more than the day before. It was down 2.1%. It was to a new, and, and that was... You know, yeah, believe me, I'm watching technically, the Technically, you've got to be concerned about what you're doing with the S&P. I know. I'm watching it. 3,600 is the 3,699 or 3,599.9, and I have to, I'm going to have to eat crow. I'm going to have to actually admit it. Micron, uh, I'm still hoping it does. <laughs> what are the chances it can, there can be a, an it ultimate be bottom before? It touches there and comes back up. That's fine. It's got to close there. No, I mean, if it just touches there for a day and comes back. Exactly. <laughs> I think we'd all kind of like to see you eat. No, I don't think you would. Because it'll, it'll make me, you don't want your colleagues to be sad, do you, and stung? Um, no, it's just a little funny. Well, I just can't believe that it's not going to do it. Can yeah, I, I, and look, it, it, we're talking about serious money, and people are concerned. Yeah. Like portfolios are going down significantly, so I, it's not. There are times I need to divorce what I want to happen from what, the realistic thing of, of happening is. Yeah. I certainly hope we don't go to pandemic lows. No. On some yeah. of these, like the NASDAQ. People have said that. We're going to make the round trip. That would be, who would that be good for? I don't know, the shorts. Um, I hope we don't go to 3,000 on the, on the S&P. I, I we, hope we, we don't work too. so hard to with, get it up. That. Well, just because of the pain that it means for so many families, the pain it would mean for companies as they have to do restructurings and, like, like Meta is and doing. And it would mean that the economy is, is and has a hard and landing. When, when companies come in and start looking for ways to improve uh, things they, and save right. things, it's, it means jobs Look, lost. And that's, there's not one good thing. About, so you, we can list about 30 reasons why we don't want to. So it's hard, like I said, so it's hard to be totally agnostic about it. Micron, this is another one, posting better than expected quarterly earnings, but... Sales fell below forecast. It also issued a weaker than expected revenue outlook. This is like, you know, the guts of everything. So it's, it's, you would think that's indicative of just a tech malaise or even an economic malaise. You would think, uh, but we just don't see it in the job market yet. Let's talk more about Nike because the issue there is the same thing that we've seen with the retailers. Mm -hmm. Look, they were ordering up, making sure that they were going to have the inventory. There were all the questions about the supply chain, not knowing what was going to get through. So they were doing what was probably the responsible thing at the time to try and make sure that they would have plenty there. It's just, again, the shifting consumer, trends turn. They were able to get all the inventory in. Right. Um, you know, this is the same problem with, that, that we've watched kind of move through all these other sectors of the economy. So then the question is, is this a one quarter problem or a perpetual problem? Because obviously for next quarter, you're going to make some new decisions about what your actual inventory is going to look like. And that's that's so that's the other question. We're looking at this one quarter. They're probably six months out, right? Like and, the stuff you're ordering is probably on a six month time frame to try and get the stuff here. So and right. So did they overorder for how, how many quarters have they overordered for? And then what's the discount on that look like? Right. And how big are the discounts? Can you clear the inventory out if you do what Target's done? You know, 
Kramer and others will tell you that's the right move. Right. Walmart has tried to clear out some of this inventory, try and take the pain down and get it out. Do you, just off the top of your head, know how much is still sneakers? It's the biggest apparel company in, yeah. on, in the world. Right. So how much is still just sneakers based on the, you know, wearing your sneakers out because you run every other day and they planned obsolescence. They do make whatever that composite is. Uh, but it's goes also a bad. fashion show. Yeah, but, but now it's apparel, wearing, isn't it? It's fashion. But no, but the shoe, but the shoe unto itself. itself. The you shoe, might have shoe is that you're paying. You know what else wearing. it is? A Dow component. So if we're down eight on Nike and the Dow still indicated up to a four. Mm -hmm. where, where are the strength? I'd like to see that. well that too. makes me. My guess um, would be maybe again, next time mobile Chevron. Good, but Nike's down and the Dow's still up. Where, where's fossil. oil price? Where's oil this morning? It's back up. I think. Uh, it's still trading in West Texas, uh, and and it trades in Brent. I mean, oh, what price what is it? What price? Oh, oh yeah. okay, uh -huh. trades in, in Chicago. All right, Salesforce up 1.6 percent. Some of the big ga gainers that are there too. Okay. Oh, wait a minute, Salesforce, a Dow component. Sales Walgreens. Yep. Amgen. Yep. So weird. There's new like America. 30 new ones. There's like 30 new. The ones. New America. There's a lot of people who've been watching this. Um, if there was one thing you want them to know, it is what? That in life, sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. But if when the times come that you're down, you understand that it's a moment in time. And I just want you to know, I swear to you, and I know it sounds yes, and you said we took all the money. I understand everything and I'm not the same. There was a moment where we thought it was all gone. And when Rebecca looked into my eyes and told me, we're okay. If you can have your loved ones and your family and your friends, things will work out in the future. That was a moment from Andrew's, Andrew's interview with Adam Newman at DealBook last fall, which just this week won an Emmy for Outstanding. Is that why we're playing that? So that's, that, no, I, I love knew. you, Joe. Congra Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. This is huge. It is big. A serious question. How long did you get to go with him on that? Was it like... I think it's about almost an hour. Almost maybe, 48 maybe. minutes, 50 minutes? Yeah, I think it's about 50 minutes. So that must have been like, he could have been laying down maybe on a couch, uh, right? Oh, we went into all of, I mean, it was... What, is that what it, it takes, do you crazy. think, to get in? That, that helps to, to, time. to... Time. To really, even 60 oh, I minutes, with, there's I think three with stories. Uh, like that, it helped. Yeah, because even, there were so many things that so many people had wanted to ask him, and you needed to sort of get right. there with him. For so long, also because he hadn't spoken publicly, I think for two two years or he whatever alluded, that was at the time. He alluded. I mean, you had some tough questions for him about taking the money. I think he it was very difficult. Yeah. Also, I would say the first half hour was just a very difficult half hour because right. there were so many very difficult questions that he that I needed to ask, that he needed to answer. That I think at certain points, I'm not sure he always wanted to answer. Right. I mean, there's sort of a moment in the interview where he looks at me and he said, so there's, there's no softballs? I think right. I, that's, so it just sort of that's step one is getting him into that going. chair. Willingly. But I will say he, I do think he answered them candidly. I mean, I know right. some people think what, that he was like he a marvelous, uh, you know, he's a marvelous marketer, and he is, and he is. Right, we heard that from Sternlich. I mean, right? you know, but I think that he, he learned, I, I like to think that he learned some lessons during this whole period. And I think he, you know, he's trying to, trying to get his life back together. And he's got investors. And he's got investors, he's got Mark right. Andreessen behind him. Look, right. he, he's been able to take this experience and turn it around, so. Um, and then between this, I think that interview, by the way, and I hear it all the time, because I hear people, I mean, I meet people who say, oh, I watched this interview, and they actually decided they liked him, you know, more. 
uh, because of it. And then there's other people who had other views about it. Um, and then obviously the WeWork, the, I'm sorry, the, the, the WeWork Apple special, I actually think in yeah, a way, right. you think exactly. about the performance of Jared Leto, right. of him, in a very interesting way, I think has actually uh, helped him. Right. I, I always thought that um, the social network helped yep. Mark Zuckerberg too. I, I think it, you know, I, I, I don't think Mark Zuckerberg necessarily right. loved that movie or the portrayal, right. Right. but I, you know, I thought Jesse Eisenberg was well, right. much more human than well, I, Mark Zuckerberg. I, I think he softened up and if right. you looked at it, it's like, okay, I kind of get more of it. If, watching that, I always Although, liked Mark Zuckerberg more. Right. Although you did, yeah. even though some of the things that Jesse Eisenberg, well, I that Mark Zuckerberg kid. did was not. a college kid, you know. It's I like, know, but it was pretty. He but, was, it eleva- but, it, but it all <laughs> elevated the story. It did. I, I will also say, by the way, and I should thank Jared Leto, his performance elevated the interview in a way in terms of just how many people saw it. Because after yeah. it, that Apple uh, appearance, right. I mean, I think the thing's been, been viewed over a million times, even afterwards, the interview. Because people went to watch, people saw the drama and then wanted to see what he he actually was saying for the well, first because, time. Well, because look, we, we love business news, but when you make your way in into the big screen some way or another, right. it definitely increases the audience and the appetite for stuff like this. I think that's the case. But congratulations, Andrew. Thank you very it's much. Pretty amazing. Forty-eight minute. The only person I think we could do that with maybe is Brian Roberts. We could probably do. A, I, I could uh, <laughs> just trying to find ways to commercials. Th- just trying to find ways to thank him and just. You know, just praise him. Okay. But what about a 48-minute A block? We can't. We've, we can we've tried we a couple of times at the beginning of the show. We've come close. But I think that's what I gleaned. That to really get deep, a deep dive, you need time to you surgically time. eviscerate can. someone. No, you no, didn't no, do that. no, no. I know. And that I know. was not the, I know, the I know. attempt. But I know. thank I you. Oh. I'll bring in the. Uh, well, the hardware, I'll just keep it right here you, during the show every day. I was surprised that coming in today, the, the double doors were open, Eddie, the security guy, because uh-huh. he knew that you were coming in, and I, it was like your head was like... And what did I ask you? Are you gonna, he's going to hit for the cycle. There's your twist. Tony, Grammy, <laughs> yeah. Emmy. It's too big to fail the musical. Then, Can you imagine Hank yeah. Paulson but dancing? Then, or, you, then you told me that I'm going to need a Razzie. Ben Bernanke comes out with some good lines. And I said, too big to, it is not. Too big to fail. The, the, you're gonna the get musical. A, the musical we for a Tony. Out. And then I'm trying to figure out. And then you said, I need a Razzie. And I said to you, oh, what did I say? You I get, get one of those every from day. me every day. Yeah. 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 Share okay. the love. Next on Squawk Pod. I look at you and I think, oh, what a stud. Just, uh, it's cool. Roger Altman, Evercore founder and former Treasury official on the Fed's tough line on inflation and how we get out of it. Two years from now, if you ask me, markets will be higher, the economy will be stronger, inflation will be lower. You see, you're saying that with conviction. Okay. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. 
Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Boy, has it been a down week. Crypto, seeing right now, I think Bitcoin's right about 19500 bucks. So I don't know what you think that's suggesting anymore. I can't figure that one out. Been less volatile. And, and people like the Pomp and the Winklevine and others have clutched at that straw to say that, that Bitcoin has actually held up well, given... <laughs> Lately. <laughs> and I was thinking about September, we don't want to remember. You know what? Markets and everything notwithstanding, don't we? We're so lucky just to be together right. in our families and everything. I like every month. I'd like, I want to live 12 per year. Uh, you are my, correct. Right? You are correct. And, I want and, to and live... by the way, September is the best month in terms of the weather, in terms of it's the best time to be at the beach. The water's the warmest. Everybody else leaves. No crowds. And it, it, there's the anticipation of another school year. Whether you like it or not, it's, it's going to happen. So uh, kids grow up and I, I got I got it. Getting misty here. It's the Emmy thing. It's just all of us just, you know, it's just all heaped on at once. We are following a developing political and market story out of the UK. Prime Minister Liz Truss met today with the country's Chancellor of the Exchequer and Office for Budget Responsibility Chairman. Following that gathering, Bloomberg is reporting that Truss's government is sticking with its plans for unfunded tax cuts. There had been speculations that maybe the government would backdrop. That's not happening, and the pound is now dropping on that news. It had been moving higher earlier in the session on expectations that the government would reassess fiscal plans. Joining us right now is Evercore's founder and senior chairman, Roger Altman. Of course, he also served as deputy treasury secretary under President Clinton. And Roger, it is really good to have you here in person. Hi, Becky. Um, there's some really weird moves with currencies, with bonds, markets are roiled, um, Bank of England had to step in and people are supposing that's because there was the potential for markets to kind of fall apart, things to break. What do you think of this news this morning that Liz Truss and her government are not back, backing down with what they've already laid out? I think she's giving a master class on how not to do it. Uh, if, you, if you step back, you, you, you say to yourself, Inflation is running at about 9.9% in the UK, higher than here, really high. And so her first act is a sharp loosening of fiscal policy, which forces the Bank of England, as it itself said, first to tighten monetary policy further, offsetting what she did. And then the, the, the lo immediate loss of confidence was so sharp as a result of her, her move that the guilt market became essentially dysfunctional for a period of time last Friday. And the Bank of England then had no choice, because one of its mandates is financial market stability, to reverse itself on QE. We're not going to be selling our portfolio of gilts. We have to turn around and buy some for five weeks to stabilize the market, which is in inherently contradictory relative to its long-term goal of in inflation restraint, because that short-term step is inflationary. So it's just a big mess. and. Uh, Obviously, I saw the, some reference yesterday to the other party being 33 points ahead now. Uh, 
she's gotten off to a pretty bad start. You know, that you can say that central banks are the huge ocean freight liners. It's, you better get out of their way. It's hard to fight against them, but the markets ultimately are the lighthouses. Like, you shift off course because the market is telling you you can't do this anymore. Who wins in this fight? Well, I've rarely seen a period with so much uncertainty, and markets hate uncertainty, and I think everything taken into account, that's the main reason they're declining. So look at our side of the Atlantic. Um, right now, we are not in recession. You know, our firm does a lot of proprietary surveys, trucking surveys, airline surveys. They're really quite good. Uh, and they are not, they're softer, but they're not at recession levels. Um, uh, and uh, the, the, you know, the, the goal for the Fed, of course, is to uh, slow demand and, and, and thereby reduce inflation. But the point is they're so far from achieving that because labor markets remain very tight, 3.7% unemployment rate, very tight. And we are such a long way from achieving the type of softness, for example, in labor markets that the Fed has to achieve to get inflation down. And so the $64,000 question is soft landing versus hard landing. My own view is uh, the longer it takes uh, to loosen up, the, uh, uh, to make the economy softer, and particularly labor markets, the more likely we're going to have a hard landing. And I think every day that goes by, the hard landing chances go up. We are living in global markets, though. And when you see this kind of turmoil and the British pound collapsing like this, when you see the pressure on the gilts market, uh, we haven't seen any concerns about those trades here yet. And, and market stability here seems quite all right. But what are the risks that they are now posing to the rest of us? I don't see any reason why we should see 2008-type uh, instability in our own markets. I mean, as you know, there was there were a 48-hour period in 2008 when markets really stopped functioning. There was a very brief moment right after COVID erupted when markets really stopped functioning too, and that's what the UK saw, as I understand it, last Friday in the gilt market. Uh, but I don't see why that should occur here. For example, the banking system here is not stressed the way it was in 2008. It's not at all stressed. Capital levels are, <clears throat> our buffer levels are very good. And I don't see any stresses in the financial system of the systemic type that would cause us to have those type of instabilities. I don't. Roger, the, the journal is all week had a different take on what happened, obviously. And they don't, they don't uh, completely say that, that Liz Trust had nothing to do with what happened. But they go back further to a lot of the policy mistakes and monetary mistakes that the UK has made in recent years, from Boris Johnson's obsession with net zero to the, what's happening energy wise over there. They only went 50 basis points when we went 75. That was probably not, that was ill-advised. But you take her to task for, for, I guess, being stimulative in terms of the tax cut. Do you think that these trillion dollars we spent this year on chips, after we knew inflation was running rampant, we do the CHIPS Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, and we forgive student loan. We pile on another $2 trillion of stimulation, and the market's now in bear market territory. Mortgage rates are 7%. You blame Liz Trust, but don't point any fingers at the Biden administration. Okay, well, when we're at 125% of debt to GDP, and they're only at 80 in the UK. Okay, let's unpack that. Okay. My criticism of her would be the biggest problem facing the UK, just like it is facing the US, is inflation. Right. And your first step, or your second step, really should not be 
to dramatically loosen fiscal policy, which is inherently inflationary. We didn't do that here? Well, hold on. Hold right. on. So that's number one. Then, it works. Uh, you know, the, the CHIPS Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, the infrastructure bill, Student to pick loan, the three biggest ones, and pick those three. Those are going to take years, Joe, to spend out. Years. Uh, that's not immediate spending or, or, or stimulus to the bloodstream of the economy. In fact, uh, two years from now, a lot of that type of, a lot of those bills will have obligated some spending, but probably won't have actually injected any of it. But, but the reason we're where we are now is because the seven trillion we spent in, or, or, or the deficit we ran up in 2020 and 2021 on all the other stuff that we did. So we did that seven trillion, that's filtering through now. Why do you think this two trillion that's not happening now isn't gonna fil- be a problem a year from now or two years from now? And uh, just make it even harder. Well, I don't think, I don't personally think, and, this is, and the futures markets don't either, that we're going to have, uh, we're going to be in a high inflationary environment, <clears throat> excuse me, two years from now. Or we might three be years now, after this. No, but most of that spending doesn't happen now. It's different. If you cut taxes the way she did or if we did, that would be an immediate injection into the bloodstream of the economy. Immediate. Right. Well, the, 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 but there's some those. people that think that supply side remedies for inflation, like tax cuts and less regulation, might actually help. So at least you're getting something for the dollars you spent. What are we getting for, for the student loan forgiveness? They're not going to restrain inflation, those steps. Looser fiscal policy. Roger, given that you talk to CEOs all day long and they're trying to figure out whether they should be buying other companies right now or selling themselves at these depressed prices, what are you telling them? Are you suggesting this is a falling knife don't do anything, wait a year, it's going to be 100 times worse and there's going to be opportunities everywhere. Do you say, you know, typically when, when there's blood in the water, if you can, is this blood in the water? I mean, I think that's the question. And I think every, every CEO in America is trying to figure it out. And whatever you're telling the CEOs is what the investors are trying to figure out. Well, Andrew, the same uncertainty that's, I think, hanging over markets as a whole negatively is affecting CEOs too. Uh, if you ask me what their mood is, I would say it's mixed. Uh, because, of course, it depends on what business you're in. <clears throat> some businesses are seeing a lot of softness, and some are seeing very limited softness, like consumer food, for example. So uh, I think CEO attitudes are mixed, although they are getting a little darker, or they are getting darker, because CEOs are influenced, too, by financial market conditions and by their own stock prices. And obviously, those trends are negative. Um, in terms of M&A itself, uh, <clears throat> It's softer, but I've been through a lot of down cycles, and this is not, so far, one of the really bad ones. Really bad downs. Roger, is this a good time to buy or a bad time to buy? Do you say, what, what do you tell them? Well, if your business is pretty solid, your financial condition is good, it's a good time to buy because, of course, prices on the other side have fallen so much. But the reality is, if your own business is weakening, especially weakening sharply, and, uh, and, and particularly if your own financial condition isn't ideal, uh, you, you pull in your horns. You look inward. That's what always happens. So there's a small category, modest category, of really strong companies, uh, financially strong, business strong, share prices not that well particularly affected. But you see this pro- as an opportunity. But you're not prognosticating for them. And for those who, are, by the way, are completely depressed and are probably getting offers right now, are you saying, no, no, no hang, hang tight because things are going to snap back? Or are you saying, you know, this is going to be a slog? Well, of course things are going to snap back. Uh, I, mean, I mean, two years from now, if you ask me, markets will be higher. 
the economy will be stronger, inflation will be lower. Uh, so if, if you don't have to sell. You, so you're saying that with conviction, okay. If, no, I mean, if XYZ company doesn't have to sell and its share price is down 40, 50, 60%, there's no reason they should sell. Uh, unless obviously there's some mega factor in terms of their industry that's, that's motivating that. But there's a huge categories, category of companies, especially younger companies, who don't have that luxury because they their financial condition, yes, yeah, so they don't have the cash. And, and they don't have an alternative. And the way you sometimes solve that is stock for stock. Because you don't say to people, I know it's hard to sell for cash at 70% lower than you were, so let's not do that. Let's do stock for stock and you're exchanging your equity for arguably a better one. What about just financing costs? How much of a chill that puts on deal activity too? Financing markets are tough. There's no two ways about it. And if you need non-investment grade financing, it's, it's hard to the point of very hard. Um, and a lot of transactions, Becky, that require that are just stalled. I mean, everybody knows that. Um, but there's also a whole category of transactions, either because the credit is so strong or because it's stock rather than cash, which can go forward. But those that require non-investment grade financing, for example, or what I might call edgy financing, that's tough. So, so Roger, you look, you're like a legend and you're a specimen too, <laughs> a physical specimen with a heart transplant. Yes. How long ago? 20 years and eight months. Mehmet Oz was a world-class heart surgeon who did your heart transplant. He did. And, and, and you could probably get whomever you wanted. So he was known back then to be one of the best. Oh, he was, he was uh, I think, as good as there was. And he was a rock star in the, uh, in the cardiology world and the transplant world. No, I don't, just don't think everybody knows that. They think he sells like nutritional supplements or something on his, on his TV show. But now he's running for Senate. Obviously, I won't ask you what, you know, he's a friend of yours, but. He's a personal friend and I, I like him and I would go way out of my way for him because he played a huge role. <laughs> I would say. And, and uh, like I said, I, I look at you and I think, oh, what a stud. Just, uh, it's cool. Because I, I, we didn't used to think of, I don't know, people that get heart transplants. In the old days, when I was growing up, there were so many uh, drugs you had to take to prevent rejection. We've got it down yeah, now, well, don't we? Well, no, you still have to take a ton of drugs. But the technology, for example, in terms of how effective those drugs are, and the OR technology, the operating room technology, yeah. has improved dramatically. And life expectancies, therefore, generally, for everybody, yep. have gone way up. Right. And, but same for you. I mean, you, you don't sit around thinking about this, right? You're, you're, you moved on for well, 20 years. Well, you think about it every morning when you take all the <laughs> you really, how's, how's, how's the ticker? Good. Well, it's good to, we haven't seen you in a while. It's good to have you on. Thanks for having me. Thanks good for coming in you. person. And Roger, come back soon, okay? Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk have entered the chat. There's a fascinating soap opera uh, taking place here. The texts heard around Twitter and Wall Street right after this. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. Will he? Won't he? 
What happened over text? Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin with more. New details emerging about Elon Musk's ties to Twitter amid the ongoing legal wrangling between both sides. A new court filing revealing that before the current issues, XEO Jack Dorsey sent Musk a text message back in late March saying he wanted the Tesla CEO on the board of the social media company, but felt the rest of its members were too risk averse. Dorsey said he thought the board's approach was completely stupid and backwards, in quotes, and said that he had uh, added his power was limited because he only had one vote and a limited stake in Twitter. All this coming as Musk and Twitter prepare to go to court next month over his attempt to back out of the deal to take over the company. I thought there were two lines in there that were significant. One was a, a text exchange back in March with um, Brett Taylor, who's on the chairman of, of Twitter, where effectively Musk said, um, look, because of the number of he didn't say uh, bots, but uh, fake accounts that you needed to take the company private to do this behind the scenes effectively. Oh, before all of this. Yeah. You needed to restructure the company privately. You didn't want to, like, take down the numbers because it would look bad. He said it would look terrible. Know. Which is some, in some ways maybe an acknowledgement that he understood that there were challenges ahead. I'm sure that's going to come up in court. The other, I mean, there's so many just sort of, I hate to say sort of, delicious lines in this whole thing. I don't know if you saw, there's a back and forth with Parag, the CEO of Twitter, uh, where Parag says, you know, basically stop hating on us publicly. And this is when the deal's already done. And Elon Musk says back, or I guess what, before Elon was gonna become, join the board, is right when Elon was, and he says, uh, you know, uh, what have you done this week? Like, have you done anything in your job this oh, week? Elon says to Parag. Elon says to Parag and then says, I'm not, this is a, this is a waste of time, I'm not <laughs> doing this. So it's, it's, there's a sort of fascinating soap opera uh, taking place here. And that's it for our soap opera. That's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And for the very best of our three-hour show, the smartest interviews, analysis you need to understand what's happening in the markets and beyond, get it right in your ears when you follow Squawk Pod. This podcast is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. I'm sure are many more platforms that I'm not thinking of. That's it. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.